Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. So smoking and excessive alcohol consumption can weaken the bones and increase the risk of fractures. Reducing back on the amount of alcohol consumption, looking at quitting smoking and even moderating your smoking if you cannot quit entirely can really help and have a really positive impact on your bone health. Welcome to another empowering episode of the Menopause Coach Podcast. I am your host as always, Adele Johnston, and today I'm bringing you a special episode dedicated to bone health and osteoporosis during menopause because I'm running this month's CPD Credit Education Teach inside my Menopause Support Coach Certification Grad Lab today on this exact topic and it was so packed full of information that I know you will benefit from too that it just felt right to bring you some of the key takeaways from the lesson that I have written for our Grad Lab today. So this topic is crucial for all women as it directly affects our overall well-being and quality of life. So go get comfortable. And if you're on your steps for health right now whilst listening in, awesome. Let's dive into the world of bone health together. So we know from many previous episodes that menopause brings with it a whole new dynamic to what we deem health, health of our emotional well-being, our soul energy, and of course, our physical health. So if we think of it as emotional well-being, soul energy, and physical health, those three areas are areas that we get to look at collectively, but we also get to look at individually. And menopause can have such a significant impact on our physical health through our bone health. And that is where we are focusing our energy today. Now, our bone health as a direct result of lowering levels of estrogen throughout perimenopause and into postmenopause can actually be a direct impact for us as women. So estrogen, we've covered this in many episodes previously, but as a recap, and for those that are new to the podcast, hello, welcome. Estrogen, a hormone that we produce in our ovaries, playing a vital role in maintaining our bone density. So during menopause, our ovaries as women produce less estrogen over time during that perimenopause state, right through into our post-menopause state of life or stage of life. And what this can do as we produce less of that estrogen, it can lead to an, a direct impact on our bone mineral density, leading to bone loss. This hormonal shift, as we know it, can result in higher risk of things like osteoporosis, of fractures that relate to softening or weakening of our bones as women. So that is what we are here to cover today. And just to give that a little bit of a preamble before we fire in, for those of you new to the podcast, we use this as an opportunity to bring a topic to empower you through education and of course open up the discussion room so if you want to come in and ask some questions after you've listened to today's episode then please feel free to do so you can connect with me over on my instagram now when we think about how women experience a decrease in bone density during our period of menopause okay it could be through our perimenopause or into postmenopause it's about being 
a little bit more susceptible during that time to osteoporosis, okay, that being a condition that we categorise as a weakening or brittling of the bones. So not nice to hear those words, but a definite direct impact of our estrogen levels lowering for females. So today we will explore why menopause affects bone health, we'll look at how to maintain strong bones and practical steps that you are going to get to take away to prevent yourself from even getting near that osteoporosis diagnosis, okay? We can't ever completely avoid it, but we can certainly do all that we possibly can to set those foundations really strong to avoid it. So what's really interesting is that approximately every nine to 10 years or so, okay, we give or take, we can't say exact, our skeleton changes through bone remodeling. And I just find this so fascinatingly cool. I don't even know if it's cool to say cool anymore, but do you know what? I'm nearly 40 and I'm owning that. So yeah, I find it really cool. And the bone will literally break down. It sounds horrific when we say that, but trust the process is meant to happen. It's healthy. So the bone will break down and then it will regrow. And this is known as a process of bone remodeling very healthy. We want that to happen. So every nine to 10 years or so, that is what we are experiencing is the skeleton changing through bone remodeling. And we have what is then called osteoclasts. Okay, I don't want to lose you with all of these terminologies. I've done my reading on them. They are super cool. Again, here I go with that word. So osteoclasts, which are ultimately the parts of our bone that drive the breakdown of the bone. So these osteoclasts drive the breakdown of our bone and then we have osteoblasts. Okay, so we've got clasts and blasts. Clasts, breakdown, driving the breakdown of bone. Osteoblasts support the formation of new bone. So these guys kind of work together to keep our bone remodeling doing its job. So really cool, happening inside our body. We don't even know it's happening, but it's every nine to 10 years, our entire skeleton changes, which is, I just think, super awesome. And it's over time through aging that this becomes a little bit more problematic or challenging for many of us, especially us women, predominantly women, in menopause and beyond as estrogen, which we've just touched on, lowers and can be detrimental then to our body's ability to regrow and rebuild that bone formation. So what can we actually do as women to make sure that we are giving our bodies the best possible opportunity to rebuild that bone where possible? Okay, we just want to say, look, we've provided you the most amazing foundation. Now go and get on with it. Do what you do. And here are a few strategies that I want to share with you to maintaining bone health. Firstly, because we want to ensure that what we have stays with us as much as possible. And secondly, that your body has, like we say, the ample opportunity, the foundations in place that you have been able to influence. So each of these that I'm going to share with you are points of influence and points of choosing. You can always make a choice in whether you are A, already showing up for each of these points, or B, slightly triggered by them in today's episode, which will be phenomenal if this does that to you, that you then get to say, yeah, I've not been doing that. So I'm going to, I'm going to give my body the foundations and it can decide where it goes from there. So point number one, 
balanced diet. I know that you're probably going to be thinking, okay, well, this is a this is a completely understood Adele. Why are you raising this? It's nothing new. But actually, proper nutrition is essential for bone health. Calcium is definitely one of those things that we need in our body to maintain our bone and our teeth health. And many studies have been done around calcium. And it always guides you to read your recommended daily allowance or your RDA for short on any supplement bottle that you have or seek guidance. Speak to a nutritionist, a dietitian, or someone in the medical space that can guide you around what is right for you. We are all slightly individual when it comes to what we need and you may be someone who is bringing in a good value range of calcium through the foods that you eat or you may be someone who directly needs to supplement with this. But as a rule of thumb, we would aim for around 700 to 1000 milligrams daily of calcium. Now, what's really cool again is that almost all of our calcium, okay, I'm going to say about 98 to 99% in the body is stored in our bones. And the body uses the bones as a reservoir for and a source of calcium to maintain calcium homeostasis. Homeostasis basically meaning you're balanced, you're in health, you're, you know, you're kind of ticking that box of optimal health. So pretty much all, 98, 99% of your calcium is stored within your bones. So we really want to use that. It's stored in there, it's utilised and the uptake is then used by the body as and when it needs it. And I just wanted to share that with you because again, what we can do is we can look at the requirement of what the body needs. We can become a bit unsure as to what the body needs and therefore we may be consuming enough calcium supplementing on top of that and we just don't need to be doing that. We don't want to be doing all of that. So that's why working with someone in the space of either nutrition, dietetics, that's some form of kind that can support you with what you need is really important during your menopausal stage of life and that we can help you with the foundations. So we also want a diet rich in vitamin D. And when I think about this, I always think about, yes, there are foods that we can consume that have vitamin D stored in them. But this is more to me about having a really good lifestyle where you are allowing your body to absorb the vitamin D through direct sunshine. And in some randomized control trials or RCTs for short, we found that people have benefited from understanding that the combination of vitamin D and calcium together is so much more favorable because vitamin D, so directly from the sun, or you can get that through things like salmon and oily fish, for example, really supports the upregulation of calcium. So it's really helpful to have them together and alongside other essential nutrients that you will get through your foods. So this is probably one when we think about anybody that is unsure, especially my fellow sisters in the UK where we do not have (laughs) enough of that beautiful big ball of sunshine in the sky, we want to be making sure that we have ample amounts of vitamin D in our intake. So again, a nice supplement there is something to definitely consider and discuss with your nutritional guidance. We can also get this through the likes of dairy products, leafy greens, oily fish and even fortified foods are excellent sources of calcium, some even with vitamin D in there. So cereals can be another source of fortified foods or fortification in the foods that we consume. Now sunlight exposure we've mentioned and 
This is such a beautiful way of getting your vitamin D, but if you are unable to do so, we're not just talking about getting your face into the sunshine. We want predominantly quite a lot of your body exposed in the direct sunshine for around 15 minutes or so. If you're unable to do that, we want to explore you having a vitamin D supplement. And it's important because vitamin D deficiency in adults can result in what's known as osteomalacia. Okay, this is like a softening or a weakening of the bones. It's not quite osteoporosis, but osteomalacia is a softening of the bones, a little bit of that kind of early stage. And this is why vitamin D is super, super important for our skeletal health, as well as our immunity and our energy and sleep. So it's a really, really core supplement that I definitely would say to all of my ladies, if we are not in direct sunshine most of the time, we want to be in making sure that that's included in our supplementary intake. And some key themes that come up with vitamin D it is really supportive with bone health. We have actually had some studies that were done. There was one in particular, and I think it had the majority of adults in it were around 70 years and older. So 70 plus. It was a one year trial with approximately a thousand participants that took part in it. So still, it's still quite a small trial, but decent enough. It's not not tiny. And the outcome showed that each of them that supplemented with vitamin D at 400 international units per day had no obvious increase in bone mineral density. Now, what I find quite fascinating with this is if we are definitely saying vitamin D is supportive for our bone health, and it certainly can prevent things like osteomalacia, so the softening or weakening of bones, then surely this has got to show that maybe that control trial of just 400 international units daily might not have been enough. Or were these individuals already ample, they already had ample amounts of vitamin D occurring, therefore increasing it by 400 international units daily didn't actually move the marker points. So from this point of view, there's a, there's a lot that you can go into with these types of studies for sure, but I think it's worth mentioning it because my own personal viewpoint on this is that it could just be that the levels were too low to have had an impact on the participants and it should have maybe been a higher intake. Now, that being said, if you are in the UK like myself, I actually supplement at a lot higher than 400 international units daily. I supplement a lot higher than 400 international units daily. And the reason for that is I myself understand the benefits of ensuring that my diet is rich in calcium, rich in fortified minerals and vitamins, and making sure that vitamin D is a supplement that I take. It's a fat-soluble vitamin. Therefore, I actually take this once per week. I take my weekly dose in one go. And because it's fat-soluble, it's stored within the lipids, the fat cells in the body. So it's pretty awesome. So if you are like me in the UK, not getting enough sun exposure, then that is definitely a supplement to consider. It's definitely one to, again, discuss with your nutritionist, your dietitian, or your medical provider to see whether actually you need a higher intake than that stated as the RDA on the bottle. So that was point number one. Point number one as a recap was about your balanced diet. Point number two, regular exercise. So engaging in weight-bearing exercises like walking, we've got other things in there like jogging or dancing. Um, yes, this all counts. 
I hear you thinking, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> but yes, this all counts. And weightlifting, of course. Yeah, this is one of my my all-time favourites personally. These really can help to strengthen our bones. So exercise really enhances and helps our balance. Yeah, if you think about even things like yoga and Pilates, brilliant for balance, brilliant for your coordination and your flexibility. And it definitely helps us to reduce any risk of slips, trips, falls and related fractures. And on my live this morning, actually over on Instagram, I was talking about how easy it is and how easy it can be to incorporate resistance movement into your day-to-day life by just thinking a little bit out the box. Okay, so I personally tend to opt for parking my car further away at the supermarket so that I need to push the full trolley further at the end of the shop. When it's full and I've got to manoeuvre it, I'm using pretty much every muscle in my body to do that. I'm probably even pulling funny faces as I try to veer the corner with this trolley. So if you still have your mobility and you still have your strength like that, then making sure that you don't always just tend to do an online shop, but you get the opportunity to fill that trolley and push it. Yeah, push, pull, manoeuvre it, round the corners, all the things. This is a form of resistance and weight-bearing movement. So parking the car further away at the supermarket so that we need to push it further, controlling it, can really help you to use all of those muscles. Another thing that I do is I walk to my local shop for small amounts of items and I fill a backpack rather than driving the car. And that helps me to not only tick my box for getting my steps for health in, but it also supports my resistance training through a 20 to 30 minute walk with added weight on my back. So again, it's still weight bearing exercise. It's still resistance movement. Another really important one. So point two was regular exercise. Again, if we can be more regular with our exercise and our movement, then we are opening up the opportunity for our bone to be stronger in what it is doing. Point number three, this is all around stimulants. Okay, hear me out about smoking and alcohol. And I'm not here to say to you that you have to stop anything or reduce anything. I'm simply sharing the facts. So if we were to say that you needed to quit smoking and limit your alcohol to help your bone mineral density, to help your bone repair, then yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. So smoking and excessive alcohol consumption can weaken the bones and increase the risk of fractures. Reducing back on the amount of alcohol consumption, looking at quitting smoking and even moderating your smoking if you cannot quit entirely can really help and have a really positive impact on your bone health. So point three is around your stimulant use and whether you are a smoker or an alcohol drinker, it's just being mindful of the amounts. Point number four, hormone therapy. So some women like me opt for hormone replacement therapy to alleviate menopause symptoms. And oestrogen, as we know it, is a really great form of replacement therapy to help maintain bone density. However, it's essential that we work with medical providers or menopause care consultants that can really help us discuss on our individual health profiles and needs what we should be doing for us. It's not a one size fits all. And certainly for some individuals, we may have other foundational requirements to ensure that the oestrogen can be as effective as it possibly can be. So we certainly know that oestrogen is so bone protective. So when it's reduced in menopausal years, this can have a direct negative impact 
on our bone health as women. Point four then being hormonal therapy. Point five, bone density screening. Now this is really crucial to monitor your bone density, especially during menopause and even more especially if like me, you've had an earlier introduction into perimenopause. So I recently underwent a DEXA scan. This is a dual energy x-ray and what it does is it assesses the bone health and identifies whether there is any risk to the likes of osteopenia or osteoporosis. And I actually learned through my DEXA that I have very healthy bone so far in the hip section that they reviewed But unfortunately for me, there's direct confirmation that I have osteopenia in my spine between the L1 to L4, which isn't great, but equally, it doesn't actually mean that I have osteoporosis. It just means that I am at higher risk of osteoporosis potentially, it's not guaranteed, being a part of a diagnosis for me later in life. So learning this made me dive inside the world of bone health. And of course, I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to understand how it happens and what I can do to protect my skeleton better for the next, well, hopefully 50 plus years of my life so that I can still have that daily gratitude of being mobile and pain and ailment free each day. Okay, never taking it for granted that I can get off the floor easily or rise up from the chair without the need for a support aid or tool in doing so. So mobility and being able to be completely free to move when I want, how I want is a huge reason for me personally protecting my skeleton and my skeletal health forever, really for for my future self, right? And I'm sure you totally agree with me that as we start to become familiar, alerted, aware of the potential risk downfalls of lacking amounts of calcium, vitamin D, weight-bearing exercise, excessive use of stimulants like smoking and alcohol, that we can actually make direct foundational impact ourselves. Yeah, we've not even talked about pharmaceuticals and medications. This is all in your gift of choice and what you get to decide you do for your body each and every day. But it also brings up some questions and I fully get that. Okay, me putting myself into the front shoes of, well, I'm now a menopausal woman, a perimenopausal woman with questions around this. And I wanted to understand, which I'm sure many of you listening to this here today may also have as a question on the tip of your tongue about can menopause-induced bone loss be reversed? This was a very interesting question for me to then start to research around if my bone is a bit softer and a little bit more at risk of osteoporosis, can I reduce that? Now, whilst menopause-induced bone loss cannot be reversed... Okay, so the answer to that one being, well, no, we can't reverse it really. Taking preventative measures can certainly slow it down. The, you know, the rapid progression can minimize the risk of fractures. And it can for individuals like myself, if you're listening to this with an osteopenia diagnosis, reduce the risk of it actually becoming osteoporosis. So leading a healthy lifestyle including a very balanced diet. It doesn't mean you can't have the glass of wine and enjoy the donuts or the piece of cake. It just means that we need to think forward around, have I eaten enough across this day, across this week, across this month 
to support my bone health. We want to also make sure that we've got that lifestyle of exercise and weight-bearing movements, okay, as part of our strategies that we've mentioned earlier, is these can make a significant difference, yeah? And having osteopenia as a diagnosis for me doesn't mean that I have to then just say, well, well, that's it. You know, I've got osteopenia. I'm now going to get osteoporosis. Nor does it mean that I will absolutely develop it. It just means that I've got this little bit of a wake up Adele. This is a bigger risk right now for you. And with it being in my spine, the number one question for me was, is this reversible? The answer to that, no, but it doesn't mean that you are going to have an osteoporosis diagnosis later down the line, which is brilliant news. So then I started to think about, well, are there any strategies that I can personally adopt to support bone health more during menopause? Got to reading, having a look and yes, absolutely. There are several remedies for this. Some of them that we would deem natural remedies that can support bone health. So consuming foods that are rich in calcium, consuming Foods that are rich in vitamin D, such as greens, leafy veg, dairy products, fatty oily fish, these can really help. And supplementing with both of these, so calcium and vitamin D, is proven to support your body, your skeletal health. And I also discovered that a diet rich in protein sources, complete protein sources for that matter, can also have a beneficial element in helping the body absorb the calcium and the vitamin D. Okay, it has this, what we refer to as a modifying effect. So whilst protein also supports my muscle reformation and repair, which is awesome, we want that. It also prevents my muscles from wasting. Again, awesome, we want that. Alongside resistance training and weight-bearing activities, this also then supports my bone. So it's a win-win, right? If we can bring in some more protein-based sources, if we can then ensure that we are consuming foods rich in calcium and vitamin D or supplementing with those, we're really supporting our body with what we would refer to as the key foundations. So if you've already been diagnosed with osteoporosis and you are listening to this thinking, okay, but what for those of us that already have this? If you're diagnosed with osteoporosis, it's crucial to work closely with your healthcare provider and to develop your personalised treatment plan. I can't stress that enough. All too often we will find, um, for those of you based in the UK or the north of Ireland, that unfortunately budget cuts mean that we no longer have the same osteoporosis or bone health related care. So this is about you understanding what you want, understanding what your body needs and asking your healthcare provider to support you with your own personalised treatment plan. Now, as a bit of a personal input to this, after my own diagnosis, I contacted my GP. I asked for a telephone consultation to discuss the results that had come through. The GP was unable to provide any guidance or support on there. But I asked that they write a letter and escalate to the osteoporosis support that we have in the NHS to make sure that I am doing everything I possibly can to support my own needs and my own body at this time. Non-requirement for any medication and something that I personally wouldn't want to opt for right away, just my own personal guidance on it. 
but certainly for you to consider what is right for you. If you're someone who is unsure, then please reach out to me and I will do my best to support you to a point of handover to your own healthcare provider. Now, it might involve that you require some medications. There is nothing wrong with us exploring all avenues. You may need some dietary changes, enhancements to exercise routines, and you might need to consider some regular bone density monitoring. These are all at your gift to make choice around. Okay, so please be empowered to do your reading, to use this podcast as a foundation to step across and start reading further in on what you need for your body. I suppose early diagnoses of these or early understanding of these can bring a really positive intervention and significantly improve what your outcome may or may not become. So detection of it is such a really core thing. So that's where your scans can come in. And do you know, on a side point to that as well, I was actually having a conversation with my mum about this last week to say that I, again, don't necessarily believe that I am in a minority of women who are diagnosed with osteopenia in their late 30s. I actually believe that probably quite a lot of women have osteopenia and don't realise it. And it's not an illness, it's not something we need to fear, but it's certainly something that we get to have this detection of, awareness of, and can make the improvements where we maybe aren't quite hitting the marker point for our own body's health needs. That is how I use this as a lens. So for a lot of women, and I personally support a lot alongside my team, we very much work in a unique manner with them to establish what's going on, what way we want to work with their lifestyle and their commitments. And I may have a lady who has a lot of time to train and loves marathon running, but I may also have a lady who has a demanding career and a home life, so time is scarce. And it's about how we make sure that we are being efficient with time, but never at the detriment to our own health, in particular for this episode, our skeletal health and bone health. So every one of my clients, of our team's clients in our programs, will do some form of resistance training or weight-bearing activities to support their muscle and bone health alongside soul health. This is huge with what we do and emotional well-being. Okay, and within all of that, we are helping with any supplements that we need to be taking on top of having done a nutritional health assessment. So we are fully trained nutritional coaches, nutritionists. And not one of my ladies has ever turned around and said that they've hated it or they couldn't do it or it hasn't got them brilliant results. So it goes to show that as soon as we get a little bit of understanding and awareness of what our body needs from us, we are able to take really good action. So let's recap on the vital parts of today's episode. Menopause can impact bone health due to decreased estrogen production. Maintaining a balanced diet with regular exercise and a healthy lifestyle can really help you preserve your bone density, your bone mineral density. Quitting smoking or cutting back and limiting the amount of alcohol consumption, so stimulant use, considering potentially that hormone therapy replacement might support you, then these are all essential steps that we get to make decisions and take action through choice. Regular bone density screenings can really enable you to have detection 
and an intervention source. So if you haven't had a DEXA scan and you are in early perimenopause, please do make sure that you link in with your medical provider for that. If you are postmenopausal and you have never had a DEXA, then again, this may be something that you want to consider doing. And if you're based in the UK, there are very ample amounts of private clinics in England, in Wales. There are only a handful in Scotland. I'm not entirely sure if there's even any in Ireland. But certainly if you are based in the UK, there are some private clinics that offer this for you. You simply require a GP referral letter in most cases. They won't just take you. If you're outside of the UK, there are clinics that offer this, some requiring referrals from your medical team and others are happy just to have you self-refer. So doing your research, finding one near to you or not so far away that you need to travel to is really beneficial. Again, to see where your two types of bone, the ratio between them both are coming in. And if you are diagnosed with osteoporosis, It's really important to know that a personalised treatment plan can really help to slow down the progression and reduce your fracture risk. This is massively important. Lots of things that you can do for that. But remembering taking care of your bones is a lifelong commitment. They're your bones. This is your skeleton, okay, with you since birth, regenerating and reforming every nine to ten years, which is absolutely incredible that it does that. Your skeleton is not the same one that you have from birth until death. It just blows my mind, honestly. I get very excited with this stuff. But it's the lifelong commitment to your well-being that you take care of your skeleton. Yeah, think of it like your scaffolding. And without that scaffolding, you have no mobility. So let's make sure that we are protecting it, we are supporting it, we're staying informed. Okay, we make healthy choices. Really emphasising that word of choice. It's your choice on how you move forward from today. It's your choice on how you balance out your health and well-being and give yourself that empowerment yeah, of knowledge. So I want to thank you all for listening. It is always a pleasure and I am greatly, greatly, greatly blessed that you take the time to come and join us every week inside the Menopause Coach podcast. Dedicating your life currency to being here means the absolute world to me and my team. So please don't forget to make sure that you're subscribed and that you leave us a review. We do read them all, I promise you. Tune in next time for another absolutely enlightening episode, as always. And I absolutely cannot wait to hear your thoughts, comments, or even just your questions that you have on the back of this episode. So stay healthy, stay strong, and let's embrace this journey together, okay, with so much vibrancy, so much grace. Until next time, have the most amazing week. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing. To help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together, we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.